Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. This is Larry Leninschmidt, your host, and we're excited to have an ongoing conversation about issues of concern and interest to the body of Christ. Hill Country Institute Live brings guests together with you to talk about issues of vital interest in our lives today. We visit the life and works of giants of another day, such as C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, and also spend time with people in ministries doing creative work to fight human trafficking, feed the poor, create quality art, be good stewards of the environment, and much more, all with the heart and mind of Christ. If you're interested in learning about the programs of the Hill Country Institute and hearing and seeing presentations from our conferences on faith and science, faith and art, and other subjects, visit hillcountryinstitute.org. We promise in this show to show the heart and mind of Christ, to treat guests and callers with respect, even if we disagree, and to be true to the historic Christian faith. Part of our heritage as Christians is to affirm the importance and the sanctity of human life. Adoption is, is a powerful affirmation of God's love. We're all adopted into his family. We're all children of the king by adoption. Now, if you're an adopting family, that's even more complicated if you're adopting special needs children. Today, we're privileged to have Megan Brown with us. And Megan has a couple of beautiful daughters at home, and she's here with us today. And Megan, I want to welcome you. Thanks for making time. Thanks for letting me be here. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. I know when you've got uh, a family of five and a couple of daughters at home, it's, uh, it's a sacrifice to get away. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I think your story is one that, that, that people will really, really gain from hearing. So uh, tell us a little bit about you and your husband, Chase, and, and how you were moved into the area of adoption. Okay, well, um, back in 2003, I had, uh, we had started the process of wanting to get pregnant, and I had a couple of miscarriages, and it's, it's hard. It's really hard mm-hmm. when you're struggling with infertility, and we were asking God a lot of questions. And um, when we prayed and asked him for next steps and what we should be doing, every time we just felt like God was telling us to wait. And mm-hmm. we felt wait meant most likely I would get pregnant eventually or something would happen, And um, at the time, I was working in refugee services, and my husband is a prosthetist. He makes prosthetic legs and arms and also orthotics. And I was in the grocery store one day and saw a magazine article, the front of a magazine, about someone adopting from Ethiopia. And at the time, I had a lot of clients from Ethiopia, and we had made a lot of connections. We really got along well, not just in a professional context, but also personally within our lives. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea about anything about international adoption specifically, especially adopting from Ethiopia. And just right there in the grocery store, I just knew that I wanted to learn more about that. I mean, my heart was beating. I got really excited, and I thought this might actually be something that God has for us. So I drove home. It was kind of a long drive, and I thought about it the whole way. And really, I thought, this is really exciting, but it just seems so far-fetched and impossible and really probably not something we could ever do, but I have to at least tell my husband. Because there really wasn't anything in your experience that, that prepared you for that. Oh, not it was out of left field. And, of course, we had, you know, 
uh, we've had friends who had been adopted or had adopted, and so it had been a topic of discussion before, and it was not something that my heart was closed to, but I also just wasn't thinking, not right, not not now, maybe something in the future, but it definitely was not anything that we were pursuing. Mm-hmm. So I went home and told Chase, and for him, just like it was for me at the moment, it was out of left field. He said, you want a what? So we had to take a few steps back, and we started doing some research, and there was a lot of things that we had to work through. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't from zero to 60 right away. We didn't say yes right away. Uh, we did a lot of research, and we learned and listened to people who had adopted and uh, read different stories. We also didn't talk a lot about it with our family and friends. It was kind of a private thing, and I think we just didn't want a lot of opinions and uh, had a to work like through Jesus, that. Jesus going up on the mountain. Exactly. It's you exa- and Chase yeah. and God. Yeah. It's exactly how it was. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of layers there. There was um, When we looked at uh, the issue of adopting transracially, and um, there's just different layers, and really it all came down to different fears that we had, and we had to kind of peel off one layer, and then there would be another one, and slowly God sifted them you know, down mm-hmm. to the bottom where we really felt yeah. pure-hearted, and it was an intense process, but we knew that God was calling us to adopt. And uh, right about that time, my husband came to me and he said, you know, Megan, we finally decided to adopt from Ethiopia. And the more I think about it, the more I really feel like we should try and pursue adopting a child who's an amputee because he works in prosthetics. And how, how did he end up working in prosthetics? Is that, is that something he had trained for in, in college? I mean, not at all in college. He went to school at A&M for something totally different. And once he was working in the business field and we were thinking, you know, God, what is your vision for our lives? And we went through this time of praying about it. And mm-hmm. God resurrected this childhood dream of his when he had met a 13-year-old boy at a skateboard park who had his prosthetic leg and at 13 years old Chase thought wow how incredible it would be to work with kids and adults and you know make prosthetics and enable them to live life like that to their fullest so even just him being in prosthetic was something really significant and special for our family so then it was my turn to be surprised and say what are you talking about I felt like I had gone through so much to consider adoption and then to add on one more piece of special needs just didn't I just didn't think I could do it and so it was hard it was hard for me I felt afraid I felt um, a little bit unwilling but certainly incapable of of adopting a child with special needs Um, but I I didn't want to make a decision out of fear And so we just waited. I just waited for God to give me peace, and it definitely came. So at that point, we started contacting adoption agencies. There weren't very many at the time. There were only four that processed adoptions with Ethiopia. And all of them told us it will be really difficult to adopt a child with a physical special need like that. There's a huge stigma against disability in typically most third-world countries, and they just don't let... Um, children like that into an orphanage. One of the 
places where your story is written. I, I, I read that if you're born with a disability like that, you're pretty much designated or, or destined to be a beggar. It's true because your opportunities for schooling are very limited mm-hmm. and um, not just because of public ridicule, but just certain lo- 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 the logistics of getting there and mm-hmm. carrying books or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So, uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, getting a job is also really difficult for people with disabilities. Sure. So um, we chose the agency that had the most special needs kids, like the most likelihood that we could adopt a, spe- a child with special needs, specific limb differences. And we put in our paperwork, and they said, well, it'll be, um, at that time, Ethiopia adoption now is, you know, you might have to wait two years. At the time, it wasn't like that. It was about a six-month wait. And so we were prepared to wait and once our paperwork uh, was sent to Ethiopia. And then just four days later, they called us about a little boy that had just come into the orphanage that was born with a severe leg deformity that would require an amputation. And um, that's our son. His name is Elias, and we adopted him just a few... uh, We went to Ethiopia just a few months later and adopted him and brought him home with us. Great. He um, was born with a deformity in his leg, so about six months later, after he adjusted a little bit to our family his leg was amputated, and then a few months later, he was fit with his first prosthetic leg and was running shortly thereafter. I think now he's probably <laughs> had at least 13 legs since then. I mean, he's nine years old. It's been seven years, but he goes through legs really quickly. Wow, that's a little really different than just buying a pair of shoes, <laughs> And it's it? not just shoes. It's a whole leg. It takes quite a bit longer. Wow. And so he's how old now? He's nine. Nine, okay. Yeah, he's nine years old. Well, gosh, the pictures, he, he just looks like a, an active nine-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. every sport. Yeah. Throwing himself on the ground and sliding <laughs> and wrestling, and that's why we go through a lot of legs. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so all boy. Just that's all right. Boy. Just yeah. all boy. That's so great. he's really a delight, and it's just been really special for us to have him as our son. Mm-hmm. Great. We're going to uh, move towards a break now. From time to time, we need to break. I want to. I want to come back to the story because there's a lot, a lot for us to hear. But I invite you to visit the website of the Hill Country Institute www.hillcountryinstitute.org. That's hillcountryinstitute.org. We have a lot of materials there, uh, CDs and are available, DVDs, recordings of previous radio programs and uh, previous uh, conferences that we've put on. And I think you'll find those resources to be of great help. Alistair McGrath, Walter Kaiser, and other speakers uh, talking about a lot of issues that are of concern to us today. So we'll be back with Hill Country Institute Live in just a moment. Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live. We're very delighted today to have a special guest, um, a mom, a sister, a friend. Uh, on, her, on her website or on her blog, she, she says that she's a mom, a sister, a daughter, a sister friend. Uh, she likes coffee and popcorn. So, you know, <laughs> what's not to like about all that? So Megan Brown's been telling us her story of adoption. Megan, what, what happened next? What happened after the, what you told us? Well, after we adopted Elias, we knew that we wanted to adopt again. In fact, we weren't looking to have any more biolog- any biological children. We were really um, peaceful in adoption, and we knew that it was really something that God had called us to. So shortly after we adopted Elias and got him up and running on his 
prosthetic, we started the adoption process again. We started in um, early 2008, and we wanted to adopt a amputee child again. We went with the same agency, and we knew at this point Ethiopia adoption had slowed down quite a bit, and we knew it would be a wait, not just because of the process, but also because of waiting for a child with special needs. We just didn't anticipate how long of a wait it would be. Um, we now have our daughter, her name is Tessa, that we adopted, but uh, it took us five years um, from the time we started the process until she was actually home. But in that five-year wait, uh, we were delighted to find out that I was pregnant, and we had a, a daughter in 2010. Her name is Marin, and uh, we are so thankful that God provided us, of course, with her in the meantime because, um, you know, he had so many special plans uh, for all of us, including her and our family especially has been has been really sweet. But at the same time, waiting this adoption out was also really hard. We, um, many times our agency told us, you know, you've waited the longest, you're the longest waiting family. Are you sure you want to keep waiting for a child with special needs? And we had been referred children. Um, during that time frame, one of them unexpectedly passed away. And so it was just hard. It was not a, it was not an easy or peaceful wait. But any time we thought about moving ahead and adopting a child that um, didn't have those special needs, we just felt like God said, just wait. There's always this hesitation. And honestly, I'm really stubborn, and <laughs> it can get me in trouble sometimes, but when it comes to things like this and I just dig in my heels, heels it's a gift that I can just be stubborn. Because um, I knew that God had something that we, you know, we wanted to hold out for his best. We knew that he had something special for us. And, um, I guess God can be stubborn too, can he? That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> he was right there with us. Yes. Well, uh, finally, we got a phone call or an email from our agency in, uh, in May of 2013, and they told us about a little girl that had been waiting in an orphanage and was ready to be adopted by a family. She was uh, a few months old, and she was born without any legs at all and was also missing her arm above the elbow on one side. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so they asked us if we were interested in adopting her since mm-hmm. she was an amputee. And uh, it was shocking. And I think it was shocking to us just as if I had been pregnant and found out that my child was, uh, didn't have, was missing three of her limbs. Uh, we grieved for a while. I cried a lot. Um, honestly, I thought this is way off of our grid. We were thinking prosthetics. We were thinking maybe someone like Elias and not this level of disability. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we did was we didn't really pray for an answer of yes or no. We decided to just pray for her. Her name is Tessa. And so we did. And in that two months, it took us about two months, and in that process, I, we both realized that the things that, uh, that we were fearful about, like, not having any idea what we were doing. We don't know anything about wheelchairs. We live in a two-story house. We would have to change vehicles. All the things that seemed logistically really difficult and insurmountable, uh, my husband just kept saying about those things, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And we finally realized that we had not only, uh, you know, come to a place of peace, but we'd really fallen in love 
with her. And we'd really, God had given us, allowed us to capture his heart for her. And, uh, and so we sent the yes to our agency. God, God can do an amazing work in weaving our hearts. It's in so true. Certain way. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And, you know, when I was praying one day, I felt like God said to me, you know, if you don't adopt her, mm-hmm. you're going to really miss out. And mm-hmm. I realized he wasn't telling me we had to adopt her, but my thinking was the opposite. I thought if I have a child with special needs, I'm going to miss out on life because I'm spending my time taking care of someone. Mm-hmm. And... God's thinking is the opposite. I mean, the gifts and the joy that she brings us is is not anything that I would ever want to miss out on. So we are definitely thankful, and uh, it was a little rough getting her home. Ethiopia adoption is, uh, like all international adoption, is not a straight and narrow and easy process. There are a lot of ups and downs and, uh, and changes in the process, even when we were getting to go to get Tessa. But... Actually, one year ago yesterday, we flew there, and we got to bring our son Elias with us, which is really special for him to go back to see oh, his country great. again. And um, while we were there, they uh, made some arrangements for us to do an emergency uh, process with her, which allowed us to surprisingly get to stay longer but then bring her home with us, which usually it's a two-month trip, a two-time trip, I'm sorry. And uh, so we brought her home, and now we are a year later, and she's really just doing phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Well, on the on the blog, it shows some pictures of her, and she has a new ride. That's right. Just yeah. a few weeks ago, she got her own wheelchair. It's the tiniest, smallest little electric wheelchair you've ever seen. It's bright yellow, so you can't miss her. <laughs> and she, uh, up until this point, she's slowly progressed from really hardly moving at all when he when we brought her home she was 14 months old uh to slowly gaining strength and then rolling everywhere and now she has that wheelchair and she just zooms up and down the sidewalk laughing and all around our house and she's she's loving it for sure that's great Oh, now will you be buying new wheelchairs as you've bought new products? <laughs> Let's hope we don't go through 13 wheelchairs in the next few years. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. We're trying to be careful, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, would, I would really in- encourage anybody that's listening to, to, to visit Megan's blog, choosingtosayyes.blogspot.com, uh, and see these pictures. I mean, it, it just it, it tells a story, you know. It's, uh, it, it, it just it'll make you tear up i promise um so tell me more about tessa what's she like what she'd enjoy since she's been here well you know um it's been it's been a a fabulous year it's it's been hard adoption Mm -hmm. is is not easy just like having any child is not easy but um she was abandoned at birth and then living in an orphanage and so we had a lot of work to do to really strengthen our attachment with her Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's so worth it but it's also intense and so we spent the first few months staying home not going out and uh around a lot of people very often and just Mm -hmm. really maintaining that intimate time with her by herself until she was adjusted to our family And it took her some time, you know. She was shy and hesitant, and she had a lot of um, just strengthening that she needed to do, just spiritually and emotionally and physically as well. But about the summertime, several months into it, we could really see her turn a corner, and 
start to smile a lot more. I look back now at those pictures from a year ago, and there's hardly a single picture where she's ever smiling. I mean, maybe never. (laughs) She's either, you know, stone-faced or crying in most pictures, although she wasn't like that all the time, of course. But now today it's fun to see. She's just full of life. She's got a lot of spunk, and she's got a lot of tenacity. And one of the things that I pray for Tessa is that she would – not only just have the peace of God over her life to be exactly how she's made her, but also strength and tenacity to um, just to partner with God to get through some of the trials that she has ahead of her. In one of the notes on, on one of your, your friend's blogs, it talks about the nun uh, who had been with her and what the nun said. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's just really, it was really special when I got to meet Tessa the first time in the orphanage. She was cared for in a Catholic orphanage by two sisters who had been there uh, for 42 years caring for children. And they, uh, it's just a miracle that Tessa uh, made it to them. They didn't feel like in the beginning that they could say yes to bringing her into their orphanage. I think they were afraid of taking care of her and the stigma, and then also maybe she would never be adopted by a family. Mm -hmm. But when I came in and the nun opened the gate and led me to go meet Tessa for the first time, she just said over and over again, your mommy is here. I told you, I told you she has come. I told you she would come. She's finally here. It was really sweet. Well, it, it it seems like you really are her mommy. Oh, I mean, you're, you're, we're close. <laughs> she doesn't let me out of her sight. It's yeah, really sweet. But just the the sense of heart hearts being connected. Well, if you were thinking about someone talking to someone now who was pregnant, and they were considering ending that pregnancy, you know, as an as adoptive mother attached to her daughter, mm-hmm. what would you what would you tell them? You know, I, I think often of my kids, Elias and Tessa's, their first moms, we call them, their biological moms. And I am so, so thankful that they gave them the gift of life. I, uh, my heart hurts for them as I imagine what it would be like to birth a child in a country like Ethiopia and, or be carrying a child in a country like Ethiopia and possibly find out that they had disabilities or have a life of poverty or other uh, hard issues and then bring a child into that. But I am so, so thankful that they made a choice to um, bring their child to a place where they were loved so that they could be adopted by a family. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love adoption. We know that it's not, um, you know, biological families being able to care for their children is not always possible, Mm -hmm. but God has a way through adoption. And it's really miraculous when God takes one family not biologically related to another child and brings them together and Mm -hmm. makes them one unit. It really is a miracle from the Lord. Is there anything you might say about special needs children and, and that adoption? For sure. As I've mentioned, I had a lot of fear and I had, uh, previously I would see people, uh, with children that had special needs. Sometimes it was obvious they were adopted and sometimes not. And I would, I really would think either I feel so sad for them or I would think that's not something that I could ever do. And I think I realized through this process that most people aren't, aren't, there are definitely people that really have a heart for special needs and adopting kids with special needs, but most 
people don't grow up thinking that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's a process that God leads us through. And most of all, I learned to not make decisions based on that fear, to just really allow God to bring peace and to speak into that place, um, to give you freedom of of really pursuing what it is that he has for you. Because God had a special type of life, a special fullness of life through your adoption. That's so true. And there are so many, I mean, just on a practical side, Uh, I think sometimes people look at us and they think, oh, well, you know, Chase is a prosthetist, so he can make legs, and so you kind of know what you're doing, and we really don't, you know. Just like any parent, we wake up and think, (laughs) what are we doing? And then adding in the special needs is a complexity, going out in public, and we get a lot of stares and a lot of comments, and that can be hard to deal with sometimes. Um, But we really just depend on God's grace, and there's so, so much joy in the journey of that. Great. Megan, thank you so much. Uh, very touched by your story thank you so much and, for having me and, um, if anyone wants to to follow megan and learn more about her story choosing to say yes dot blogspot spot blogspot dot com thank you again megan thanks okay. thank you for joining us for hill country institute live exploring christ and culture this is an important time to think about sanctity of life to think about caring for the unborn and to think about caring for those with special needs. So if you want to know more about what we're doing in our programs, visit hillcountryinstitute.org, listen to the tapes, listen to the video and tapes from previous programs, and learn more about Sanctity of Human Life. This is Larry Leninchment. Thank you for being with us. Bye-bye.